welcome to episode number 150 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. They are reminding you to reduce, recycle, reuse, and compost. Avoid using those single-use products like the little plastic bags at the grocery store and remember to use your reusable bags whenever you go shopping. Also, as a sponsor this week is the Jackson Hole Marketplace with the Badass Deli serving badass sandwiches using fresh baked bread from 460 Bakery and the finest meats from Boar's Head Meats and Cy Ginsburg. Definitely guaranteed to build yum in your belly. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. And all of you new listeners, get out there and give us a rating so other people can enjoy this podcast just like you. Give us a rating and review, and people will find us, and you can share this too. I feel that people sharing their stories is so important to life because we all have a story to share, and we can learn so much from each other. Sharing stories allows us to learn and grow. Today's guest is Anna Olson, the CEO of the Jackson Hole Chamber of Commerce. Anna landed on this side of the pond by just pure default after meeting the love of her life. Not knowing anything about Jackson Hole, but led by an adventurous spirit, Anna moved to the valley sight unseen. After a long career at the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and been raising a family right here in Jackson, Anna just recently made the transition to the CEO position of the chamber. Anna's been leading the chamber and advocating for local businesses during COVID and getting ready to celebrate the chamber's 75th anniversary. Anna's connecting people and businesses, which are all an important fiber to the fabric of our community. Today, Anna's gonna share with us her story and how she and the awesome staff at the Chamber of Commerce contribute to this beautiful, bustling place many of us call home. Anna, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to see you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Indeed. Big episode here. 150 <laughs> for, <you>. for me, <laughs> yes. This is your first episode, but for me it's episode 150. I love starting each episode off with hearing your background story and connecting, connected mm-hmm. to Jackson Hole. So um, you certainly yeah. don't have a, um, an accent that sounds like it came from where I grew up. Um, so let's no, hear. No, and there aren't. Um, I mean, there are a few of these accents around, but there's, it's still, uh, there aren't too many. Jackson Hole's a long way from anywhere, as you know, mm-hmm. and it takes a, takes a mission or an effort to get here. Um, I honestly say that I landed here by pure default. I had no concept of what Jackson Hole was, uh, is... It was the big square in the middle of America, Wyoming, above the other big square, below the other big square, (laughs) next to the weird one with the pointy bit. Didn't know anything about this place. And yeah, 1996, I've been here 25 years this year. Uh, So big, big deal for me. November the 16th, (laughs) it's lodged in my brain. I got off the plane with my couple of bags and my husband-to-be. And yeah, I moved here. For those of you who know me, I've been married to Jeff Olson all that time. We got married in January of 97. And he came over. We'd met. We both worked in tourism. Um, I worked for United Airlines in marketing. I'd worked for a big tour operator over there from college. So tourism was always what I did. Where is over there? In England. um, In England, yeah. I grew up on the south coast near Portsmouth, a little town called Havant. And my dad, um, unfortunately, my mum passed away a couple of years ago. My father is very healthy. We're hoping to get him here again soon. He lives in the house I was born in. So he's been there, I won't say how many years, over 50. And um, (laughs) we're, you know, just really, really a close family, despite me living here. I'm the youngest of three, uh, elder brother and sister. And so I moved here. Yeah, Jeff came to, Jeff Olson, my husband, came to England um, couple of times after we'd met and I came here a couple of times but I think you could pretty much say it was a whirlwind romance Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, 
and yeah, I got the book on Wyoming and I, you know, he sent me um, uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. And I remember like getting to about page five and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know any of this history. I don't know any of this place. And yeah, there we go. He lived in Cheyenne. He worked for the tourism office there. And he had the bright foresight to say, I think you might prefer Jackson at this time and you might get a job in tourism and, you know, things could be better. So here I was, landed in November. Um, he had rented a house at the top of Indian Paintbrush. So I moved from West London, mm. Kensington, my tiny little flat and my tiny little car and moved here and he gave me a GMC pickup with chains and he lived in Cheyenne and I lived at the top of Indian Paintbrush and I I don't think I could have felt more removed from the world if I tried in one move. It was quite quite a move. And we joke that the only reason we're still married is he lived in Cheyenne that winter. <laughs> I, to get on with it. I lived in, in Indian Paintbrush for fi about five years, and the winters there are different than the winters yes. in the valley. And it was 96, 97, 96, 90 heaven, uh -huh. for those of you who remember. So it was not just any old winter. Right. It was over the top of the house winter. Uh-huh. I mean, it's actually my nearest to death moment happened that winter in Jackson Hole <laughs> as I fell into my satellite dish hole because the snow was so high. <laughs> it was nine o'clock at night and I didn't have the right clothing on and I just went to clear off the dish and fell in the hole. It, you could have found me the next spring. <laughs> oh, it could have been the worst. Oh, yeah, I, I was clearly still attached to my TV at that point. But um, yeah, that was just enormous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a transition. And so you've been here in Jackson ever since. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've done here in Jackson and what are you doing now? Yeah, well, that winter, I mean, gosh, I didn't know what I was going to do. In fact, I was just chatting to Jeff yesterday about it because we were down in the Browns Park area, Irish Canyon, just south of Rock Springs, mm -hmm. driving back. And the, we got engaged in um, Estes Park in As you know, just outside, well, that whole sort of North Colorado area. And my first night with him after being engaged we spent in a tent in browns park and i'd never camped in my life i'd never spent a night under canvas hmm. and so it was just it's just the funniest thing and i said as we were on that back road god if we like did we know what if we were ever going to live in wyoming and we just got married without really a plan it was just sort of love and hope and um and here we are back on that same road 25 years later and you know we got three kids but there were some anchors that definitely helped and just to answer your question i mean that spring sarah flitner was a great friend of my husband's and so became a you know long friend of mine and I mean, she hired me to sell advertising that spring on a CD-ROM. It was very cutting-edge technology. And uh, if there's one way you want to get to know a town, it's sell advertising, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to knock on everyone's door. And so that lasted a little bit and through the summer. And uh, then I was incredibly lucky. I got to interview for this communications manager, Jackson Mountain Resort, that September. Because luckily for me, the guy they actually offered it to declined it. <laughs> And he went on to a very illustrious career in the ski industry. And I got the call for an interview. And I, we were in um, Gardner, Montana. And we raced back through the park to be there for this interview. And Jerry Bland interviewed me. And Kerry Cooper hired me as the marketing director out there. And, you know, some people have heard this story. But I always remember Jerry saying, how on earth are we going to have a Kiwi and a Brit marketing the Old West? <laughs> because she was the, she was the uh, marketing director then. And. Yeah, and it was the start of an incredible journey that I was so fortunate, mid-90s you know, mid to join Jacksonville Mountain Resort. It was just this train that in PR and communications, it was fantastic. The cameras kept investing, things kept happening. It was really the start. We saw that winter, Bridget Gondola opened that we lovingly still call the new gondola. <laughs> Maybe it's been usurped a little bit now with Sweetwater, but... You know, from Bridger to the Bridger Center to the Cody House to 
you know, redoing uh, all of Casper, putting in the, the new Kemera lift, all of the upper mountain stuff. Then, obviously, hotel-wise, you had the Four Seasons, you had the Snake River redo, Teton Mountain Lodge, Hotel Terror. I mean, everything. You know, I I started work, and there was the Best West and the Soge and mm-hmm. a couple of buildings in between. So it was an incredible journey. Yeah, and uh, I was there until four years ago and ended up as the brand director. And, um, I mean, winter... Winter is a different beast. It's a competitive market. So it was always fun. It was always exciting. You know, we competed with Vail and Utah and California. And, you know, we started, did a ton of international marketing. And we called ourselves Ski the Scraps because they had Ski the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And it was Taos and Jackson and Big Sky and Telluride. We were like the bits on the edge that no one knew about. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a competitive spirit. It was so fun. Many, many, many fond memories um, and obviously it's still going, but, you know, I've got the chance to step away and uh, move into this chamber role. So I'm the, currently the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. And very happy that you are the, <laughs> currently the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. Thank you. Well, it's met and that we met. And I think mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing for me, although I met so many people and had such a, you know, 21 years at the Mountain Resort was an incredible career. But since I've joined the Chamber, I was on the board before and... Um, you know, the chair, but still the mountain resort and the village is a whole world out there. And anyone who's lived there or been there or worked there understands that. But it can fill your day quite easily. So now I just feel I, I really do meet such more of a cross-section and work with more of a you know, cross-section. And um, it's a real pleasure. Yeah. What a fabulous story. And um, the, the love story between you and your husband, uh, <laughs> not many people... You, not, you don't hear that from many people, and it just warms my heart to, to hear about that and that you guys are raising a beautiful family here in, here in Jackson. And, you know, at the Chamber, like you said, you have a bigger cross-section of the community that you get to interact with. Yeah. Because, yeah, the village is out there. It's, it's not <laughs> like it's on a different planet by any <laughs> means. It's just driving across a bridge and down a road a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still, you know, we talk about going down five blocks and it's like, you may have to go all the way over there. Right. It, and it has a different aura <laughs> seasonally for sure. Yes. You know, a powder day in winter at the ski resort is just the energy of mm-hmm. New York City. I mean, it's just just buzzing. Right. And, it, you know, and then you can pop downtown and it's quiet and mellow and it's it's it has its own energy. Yeah. So at the chamber, you are getting ready to embark on a big event next year that you guys are We're on, on the 75th? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I was so excited to hear those years because when I was at the resort, we celebrated its 50th. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally just love the opportunity to celebrate and highlight milestones because it gives you a chance to talk to everybody who got you to that place and the chamber of commerce you know like a lot of places didn't keep brilliant records to begin with (laughs) um but they did keep a track of all of their board chairs Mm -hmm. so we have the names of 75 years of board chairs thankfully the jackson hall historical society who does such great work often on the quiet and if you actually ever want to know anything just call them and they've got some record or archive or something stored away and they did for the chamber and they had some pictures of early years and uh so yeah 75 years um lots of the last 30 year board members and and board chairs are still in jackson and you know to no surprise it's a cross-section of people who are amazing business leaders and with the chamber celebrating its 75th year and that's next year well, we, we kicked it off this July because okay. it's 46. There was, again, one of those funny years where they would do their fiscal year versus the calendar year. Mm. So we are doing twenty July 21 through to the end of the year, so okay. June 2022. Okay, yeah. fabulous. And for this amount of time that we've had a thriving Chamber of Commerce, give an idea of what did you know, what have you learned as far as how many members were when it started and what does it look like now for for the membership of the chamber right yeah i mean that's the bit that i love that's why celebrating the 75th Mm -hmm. um there was a story that we got sent from the historical society so 
Our records really start in the 60s. Okay. And one of the founding members, according to, our, you know, there, there were seven or so that are, that are recorded. I'm sure there are others that were involved, but that's sort of where we started in terms of membership. And the Anvil, um, you know, again, interesting history um, that the current ownership didn't know. You know, there'd been the family who built it, and we found a lovely newspaper article about how it had taken two years to build. Uh, the whole of the family from all around Wyoming had come to build that thing, and it finally opened. And um, it was just a wonderful story, and they were one of the first members of the chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprisingly, you know, with more established businesses like the War Hotel and the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar and, and a few others. Hertz Rent-A-Car, um, you know, d- an interesting story with them and we I got to to read it that the history with the original car rental business was um, that there was a car kind of private hire service around here to get people from the train over in Victor Mm -hmm. to guest ranches here and that company was originally started by this gentleman who drove the Rockefellers to their ranch. Hmm. And he wrote this incredible letter to them that the current owner of Hertz has. Um, has. And it's just amazing to read this thing from Rockefeller talking about how he looked forward to the car drive as much as his vacation hmm. because he loved talking to this guy who lived here, who drove them every year, him and his wife, and told them everything that was going on in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And you just think about that now, you know, maybe some people still have that same experience. They land at the airport, same guy picks them up or ranch people or whatever. I mean, you know, this was this was, yeah, 50, 75 years ago. And um, people got on the train and got off and got to their ranch. We are a vacationing place. That's what our history is. It's that what you just said, meeting somebody at the train in, in Victor mm-hmm. is certainly a part of this valley, this area's history that is not really well known. Right. Or even probably publicized. Mm. The fact that that's how a lot of people did get here yeah. is taking that train. Yeah. And then hearing about how the Rockefellers looked forward to that so much. And a lot of people did go to the same place year over year, and they still do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, around the state of Wyoming, and one of the really fun things about working for Jackson Hole Mountain Resort was it did introduce me to um, the tourism industry of Wyoming, not just the sort of ski industry around the Rocky Mountain West. And I've been a long fan of their work, and a couple of years ago I was appointed onto the Wyoming Office of Tourism Board. And, you know, the tourism in the rest of the state is a really interesting beast, the dude ranching, guest ranching, and, you know, just the history of of that work and the history of the family connection to those places. And we probably, of course, we do have it here, but not quite on the scale of some other places. But there's no doubt that that there will continue to be demand for that product. Mm -hmm. It is a, um, it's the ultimate switch off. Um, I think probably like the national parks, you know, most of our um, guest ranches are fighting this sort of terrible friction of how much do we allow modern world to come into our experience. Mm-hmm. Everything from TVs or internet or other things versus, no, you just come here, your phones don't work, you're, you you can't check your email. And I think a lot of the experience is still trying to deliver that. And, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's something to be said for that. Well, look at... Flat Creek Ranch that Joe and Marsha mm-hmm. have. Yeah. And I was talking to Joe the other day, and they end their summer season in September, the end of September, because it's not consistent enough with weather mm-hmm. to know that they can make it up to the ranch. Right. Because it's so yeah. far out there, and the road, if anybody's ever driven the road to Flat Creek Ranch, yeah. knows that it's probably one of the worst roads in America. <laughs> <laughs> It's only challenging. And, yeah. and they're lucky to get in there by May mm-hmm. to, mm. to begin opening the ranch. So Yeah, yeah. But they're, I doubt they're looking for anybody to bring internet service to that ranch. Right. And, and there are all sorts of different experiences from, you know, more Western to mm-hmm. maybe more luxury now. Um, for sure. And, you know, so I think there is um, – we're lucky in Wyoming to have so many choices. Yes. Mm. We are very lucky to have so many choices. And now that you're the CEO of the chamber and you're working with this larger cross-section 
of of businesses mm-hmm. of community members and tourism is a major part of our economy mm-hmm. what are some of the industries that you have learned about which are important to mm-hmm. our our community to thrive and live but aren't as well known mm-hmm. as such as in the tourism world right well i think Realistically, the majority are in tourism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, whether you're primary, secondary or tertiary. And I I think I've always known that. But the reality, we have about 900 members and, you know, at least a third are straight hospitality serving the visitor, Um, if not a little bit more, maybe about 450 probably. Um, And then you get into the... You know, the people who supply those people, uh, whether you're the linen man or the uh, cleaning person or the food delivery guys, you know, all all of that that Mm -hmm. that comes in or the electrician or the um, window washing people, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on, Um, you know, truly outside of tourism. I think one of the biggest surprises I learned about was a business just south of town that manufactures here in Jackson, a very specific uh, instrument and there are one of the few in the world that actually do it and I had no idea that they were there so they, they were occasionally like, I was like oh my gosh but there was some sort of family connection and you know they they have this incredible um, global business out of a, a small place down in South Jackson um, and then you know really the the other ones that I I mean, just talking to construction owners, talking to people in that trade is always really interesting. You know, they they struggle just like the rest. I think what I've learned, and I I would almost say more than what industry is what, is that businesses are run by people and people all struggle with the same issues. And it's so much more personal to me when people say, oh, you're the head of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm like, yeah, that sounds really boring. But because it, it did to me, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up and say, I want to be the head of a chamber of commerce. I didn't even know what a chamber of commerce was. I mean, who does? Maybe, I mean, fifth children, grade, you're if, writing your if report. If children for are what you out there do. thinking, I'm going to grow up and be the head of the chamber of commerce, call me because I can tell you it's a great job. But it's really about people. And that's what I should be like. I'm the head of the chamber of people because it's whether they need help with their staff, with their business. They just need someone to call them and say, you're doing a great job. Being a small business owner is very stressful. I'd never run a business myself. Yes, we're a 501c6, but you know, being responsible for 14 people to come to work, enjoy their job, have their needs met, maybe surpass their expectations, have them be proud to work there, have a sense of community and commitment. That's a lot. And, yeah. you know, and these guys or girls get up every day and that they have to do that and run a business. And I mean, all of that is running a business, but worrying about, you know, revenue and, and um, costs and, oh, it, it's, it's just, I just have huge respect for everybody who does it. And whether you choose to work for someone or be the owner, I think it's a choice. And, and to be the owner is a very different role. And I'm not sure I'd given it the full thought and respect that I now have because I speak to those people all the time. And um, whatever we can do to help at a personal or professional level, that's really, that's really our role. Very insightful that until you became CEO of the chamber that didn't really know where business owners were. Mm. Um, mm. It's lonely being a business owner because right. you do have so much responsibility. Yeah. And you're at the top. And, and it's wonderful that we do have a um, such a vibrant chamber of commerce to be able to have somebody to talk to as as business owners and, and bring business people together. I'm curious, nationally, for the size of our town, mm-hmm. what are the numbers like for our membership compared to other communities mm. in this size? We're a very healthy chamber of commerce. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly above average by a long way. And we also have diversified with different revenue streams because we are a tourism economy. And that's quite common in the chamber world. If you go to Park City or you go to Aspen or you go to Sedona, the chamber and the visitor centers are, t- are, are sort of one and the, and the visitor bureaus. And so, you know, our website, for instance, is a visitor facing website. Whereas if you're the chamber of commerce in Thermopolis, you, you don't really have that chance to be creating a, 
well, it's not a very good example. They do have visitors there. But a, a, a town that doesn't have a tourism economy, you know, is not driving the level of traffic that a website like ours can do. So accounts for um, advertising similarly with visitor guides, that type of thing. So a chamber, um, one of the things that I have learned recently at the national level is a lot of chambers are exploring creating foundations because chambers can do the work of networking and advocacy and, and training and, you know, the being a voice for the business, but more, I think, or more importantly, being there for the business um, owners and membership can contribute to that. But, you know, when you want to do more, which is becoming very apparent, let's use housing for an example. There's a lot of very, very good housing experts in our community, housing department, housing trust. We've got you know, non-profits like Habitat, we've got Shelter, we've got people who, who make this, you know, that, that's their, their expertise. But it's difficult to um, ask them to do more and find out a lot of um, market research, for instance, data. And so what I'm learning, and we may, we may explore this here, is to be a research center is something that Chambers can do very well. We have a lined up group of totally engaged business owners, staff, you know, really good resource to ask them about. Um, and so becoming a data source is something that chambers are finding. And sometimes, in, in, if you were to search this up, a lot of chambers are doing it because they're trying to work in the economic development world, right? We want to get business X to move here because the cost of living is this and we can do this and we can afford that and we can give you grants to do this. That's not what we're doing. The chamber in Jackson Hole doesn't really... What doesn't have, and you're on, on our board, has um, historically never had an economic development role. Um, it's been much more of a responsive to the tourism management um, side of things. But we do get asked a lot about, well, what, are, what, are the, what is going on with housing and data and what will people do and how many people are doing this? And so I think being a data resource is something I'm interested in. And it's hard, as I say, for individual organizations to um, go out there and get a lot of that because it takes, it takes a network like a business, you know, 900 business owners um, mm -hmm. to do a community-wide survey is very intensive and cost, costly. And, you know, we are doing those when appropriate, town and county set those up. And whether it's like mental health or tourism or housing or transportation, as hopefully a community member listening, you're getting some of these surveys in your inbox. They're coming to you because they really do need to know your, your feedback. And uh, for anything that you want to feel a bit, you know, grouchy about on a Monday morning, whether you just sat in traffic or you're worried that your employees don't have housing or I'm feeling a bit low and what about mental health? Take that 10 minutes and finish the survey because that's what we need. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well, thank you, Anna. Um, Anna, we're going to have a quick break to have a word from one of our sponsors and we're going to come back to this um, very insightful conversation about the Chamber of Commerce. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling wants to remind you to bring reusable bags with you whenever you go shopping. Reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. Wash those bags to keep the little germs out of your food and other items you bring home to your family. We've removed millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream, and now let's reduce the number of paper bags we're purchasing because you're going to keep reusable bags in your car. Food waste composting, in addition to yard waste composting, is available at the trash transfer station facilities. Remember to call 733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operations. Additional support for this episode comes from the Vault of Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole's only climate-controlled wine storage facility and offering temperature-controlled storage for businesses. Call 307-248-6392 to connect today. Anna, welcome back. Um, Thank you. Loving this conversation and insight about the, the Chamber of Commerce. And when looking at the Chamber here and in Jackson, and then you look at, you mentioned the national level of, mm -hmm. of Chamber, mm. it, it sounds like each Chamber kind of has its own has carved out its own responsibilities or 
where it chooses to make an impact in a community. So not every chamber is the same that you're going to find in other places. I I would agree. And and I think you take it to a nth degree when you're talking about tourism economy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the Chamber of Commerce of Tulsa is probably quite similar as the Chamber of Commerce of Phoenix, let's just say. You know, at the city level, U.S. Chamber... U.S. Chamber is, you know, right there in D.C., opposite, um, you know, all of the... They, they take their lobbying role very seriously, and it's, it's at a very high level about U.S. economy and immigration and various other pieces that are their kind of core pieces. You know, how much do we connect to the U.S. Chamber? Not much. However, COVID, they became an absolute lifeline because they took what was going on in D.C. that often takes years to come down the pipeline right but it was happening in weeks Mm -hmm. to get out to us and so that became the u.s chamber in the last two years i have huge respect for for the amount of information they shared that i was able to then share with our local businesses everything from you know the loan programs and all the eidl and all these other things they did very quick white papers on but day to day do i call the u.s chamber no Mm -hmm. in terms of there's another group the sort of which most people who are business owners are probably part of a uh, peer-led organizational group. You know, maybe you're, I don't know, the wine shop owners of America <laughs> or something. But um, there is the, you know, Chamber of Commerce executives of America. And that's very useful for things like I was mentioning about the foundation, you know, looking at ways to take chambers into the next 10, 20 years and remain relevant, applicable, and useful. So I do listen in to those type of things. When it comes to, you know, thinking about what we can do for our membership, you know, I'm generally at the level of, we talk to Rocky Mountain Town, you know, and I've already mentioned, I mean, I talk to Steamboat and Sun Valley and, and um, Salt Lake, well, Salt Lake and Park City, to be honest. And then Rick Howe, who works with me as the vice president, he's the chair of the Wyoming Chamber of Commerce Association at the moment. You know, a lot of what we can bring to the table is our experience in running the chamber, diversifying it. But in Jackson, we have learned over the years, and I've inherited a lot of this, you know, it changes depending on the market demand. So in 30, 40 years ago, clearly there was a how do we extend summer question from the businesses. Hence, we have Old West Days in May and the Fall Arts Festival in September using events. We still do it now. This theory, the strategy has not changed in many decades to use events to bring people into what would have been considered the low times. Now two phenomenally successful events in our community. And, you know, but I think to be a relevant and lively and, and appropriate chamber, we should be looking at the Fall Arts Festival and saying, should it go back a few weeks? The first two weeks of September, from what I can see, aren't that you know high demand. I mean, aren't that sort of low demand anymore? So those are the things that you want to make sure that what you're doing still makes sense, and mm-hmm. you need to check in with that. But events are something that the chamber here has taken and, and um, done in response to seasonality and demand needs. And, you know, it's um, something we still look at. And we work very closely with the Travel and Tourism Board. We provide their events coordination through a contract for all of the community events that apply for money through the Travel and Tourism Board. We just help facilitate all of that. And they're still working very well at times of year, different events that, you know, we, we rely on and enjoy as a community. We love it. So the events, I think, is something that is part of our chamber. But, you know, if you're, as I said, if you're the Tulsa chamber, you're probably not running tourism-based events or, you know, things yeah. that are, are going to generate that kind of level of business. A lot of chambers still don't run their parades. You know, these things are, we're a small community. Mm-hmm. So the community events is, cl- I mean, I remember when I was on the board, it was my favorite part. You're volunteering at the Halloween or the um, town square lighting or the Easter egg hunt, although I'll never be allowed to share that again. <laughs> I'll tell you about that. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, just those local events where you see all your neighbors and the kids and everything. I mean, you know, we there's a reason we need to be there to do those. It, it's a joyous occasion. If you can't enjoy the 4th of July parade, then you probably shouldn't be there mm-hmm. because it's a joyous occasion, right? Um, but no, the Easter egg hunt, 
I got very excited and said go before the allotted time. So all the kids jumped over the fence and started collecting eggs before the official time. So we had some rather sad children who arrived a few minutes later. Uh-huh. So it was, it was a very poor mistake on my part. And as a mother of three kids, I should, should have realized that I got all excited. And uh, no, I won't be handed the mic again. That, that, uh. was, not, that was not <laughs> one of my proudest moments. But we do, so, you know, events, community events, I think highly appropriate at the chamber. And then, you know, from a membership standpoint, we have a lot of variety of things to offer. And as we've already mentioned, most of our members, nearly half, are in the tourism industry directly. So the website and the Explorer and the connection to visitor services, that's another contract we have with the Travel and Tourism Board, great synergy, where we hire, we run the visitor center um, experience, whether you're emailing or phone calling or walking in to the Home Ranch or the Greater Yellowstone Visitor Center or our offices. And in fact, we have a pop-up on the town square this summer because... The visitors need the help. And, um, you know, we, we are, take that very seriously. We're doing market research this summer, which, again, we want to share with our members, uh, funded by the Tourism Board. So we, we're very aligned with the Tourism Board in what they're trying to do in terms of tourism management. And part of that, looking forward very much to the uh, destination management plan process, which is just um, going to be announced here more publicly soon. Um, which will be a third party really looking at tourism in our our community um, from the perspective of the visitor, the locals and the businesses and, you know, really putting together an insightful, hopefully, vision of what we can, how we can manage tourism going Mm -hmm. forward to to meet the needs of all of those different stakeholders. I like what you said, tourism management, because it, it seems as though a lot of times with tourism, people think of it as, well, we're just promoting tourism. Mm, yeah. And there's a lot more, like you had said a, a few points there about the management of it. And could you go in more detail as far as why the management of it is so important to our community versus just saying, hey, we're just promoting this place and just going to be bringing people in? Right. Yeah, and it's... It's a complex question with a complex answer, sure. um, but it, it does have, you know, really some foundational roots that we've always been doing. We've had visitor centers. That's tourism management, right? From the olden days of someone walks in and says, well, what shall I do today? And you direct them to the place that makes sense and hopefully they'll spend some money and they'll have a good experience and maybe they'll avoid the crowds by you know, going to Jenny Lake at a different time of day than the rest of them. And, you know, that's the basic of tourism management, just giving advice to the tourists. It's now being developed a lot more complex um, kind of strategy around pre-arrival, you know, how to be a good visitor, responsible tourism. A lot of folks will be familiar with, you know, leave no trace um, who live here. And, but it's taking that to that broader level which in the in you know just five ten years ago it would have been the national parks or the forest or whomever that would be promoting those type of messages, and um, you know public agencies and I think I mean pretty much across the board now you're going to see that being part of the the planned management you know it's not promotion of four nine nine come here now it's are you coming this is what you need to know mm-hmm. so that word promotion has been kind of um, I think. Uh, it, it tends to equate to most people to that 499 message, you know, whatever you're looking at when you look at kayak.com or Travelocity or whatever, and you, you get this message that says something on sale, book it now as equaling promotion. The message around, and this is a bit where I'm, I'm not entirely sure what other word to use yet. It hasn't really, but you know, if the message that pops up when you're on Travelocity that says Jackson Hole, be a responsible tourism, if that's not promotion, you know, it, it's a it's educational messaging, I guess would be another way of describing it. But at the end of the day, you're spending money on telling people how to behave mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to telling people to come because we know they're coming. Um, So that's an important nuance that you're still spending money in certain places and times, but it's with a different message. That's the key piece here. And that's what takes some thought and takes some strategy. Now there's the other side of the coin as to tourism management in terms of policy and in terms of, you know, how many beds and and quite frankly, back down to basic business, ADR. 
you know, average daily rate. Well, a tourism management plan, where if you've got luxury properties, ADR will manage who can come here and how. Now, that a lot of people don't maybe buy into that so much. The parks are a product for everybody. There's still a ton of camping. There's still, a, you know, the, the, the pricing in the parks is managed so that it can be affordable to everybody. And, you know, we, we want to probably keep that here too. We want to mix. Um, we have a mix of properties right now. But things, you know, that are in control of the businesses definitely get involved in management. Things that are involved in things like public-private partnerships with the Travel and Tourism Board and, you know, Jackson Mountain Resort getting together or some kind of that type of messaging can be in that management structure. So it's across. It's not just one person saying one thing. A tourism management plan ultimately has to get everybody on the same message. So you've got the education so that, you know, Hotel X is also saying do this as opposed to we've just reduced the rate to 399 or if they want to do that which of course is their business prerogative it also says you know link here to responsible jackson and this is what how we expect you to behave and but at the end of the day this summer and for many summers going forward probably although i'm certainly not of the theory that demand will just keep skyrocketing i think there will be some ups and downs like there always have been mm -hmm. as international borders open as major tourism products like cruising and and uh you know being able to just go across to mexico all these things become more flexible and easy yeah it will have an effect on us for sure a lot of people have come to the national parks now the flip to that is a lot of people might not have been aware of how easy it was to get here and now like oh it's, it's quite easy to get here but it's it's going to it's going to ebb and flow that's just what will happen in the tourism industry we can go with this you know sort of educational message of pre-arrival or as i said more importantly in the short term is this message if you don't have a reservation don't come there isn't any alternative full is full and we know you know we've been seeing a lot of that messaging going out as well um, and getting together as a destination I'd say it's been quite successful you know between the travel and tourism board the chamber others it really is the message if you're coming here you need a reservation mm -hmm. we had a story in the New York Times this summer that totally covered that Four is four. right <laughs> yeah I love it. there's no more down the street yeah, yeah. Mm. that's what a bummer to be driving someplace and arrive late at night and yeah you can't find a hotel room but well that's when we see them at the visitor center yeah or and you know doing our best to try and manage their mm. expectation their disappointment it's a, it's a tough job some days in the visitor centers i bet it is and yeah. and just hearing everything that you've described here you're balancing you are juggling many pinballs or you know <laughs> bass tennis balls in the air whatever you want to juggle swords <laughs> <laughs> Some days, I'm sure it feels like that. At the end of the day, how do you keep it all together for yourself? Uh, thank you for asking that question. It's, um, you know, I, I've often multitasking is a strength. Having good team, having a really good team. You know, Rick Howe and, uh, and you know, Elizabeth in membership and Riley Francis who runs the office and... Brittany events and Kent and Andy does our communication. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're, I, I rely on them all 110%. Got a super dependable team. The board have a really supportive role at the chamber for me. I can reach out to them and ask them a response and I get a response. And it's, it's so I feel very supported. I have an incredibly uh, patient and kind husband. <laughs> hmm. and um you know it, it is a little bit of my dna to be doing however i have spent the last couple of years being enlightened and i maybe that's not quite the right word because it gives the wrong impression but certainly learning uh, more about how to take care of myself mentally than just physically um one of my go-to's for my whole time in jackson really has been a, a sort of physical response whether it was oh i should climb that mountain or ride that bike race or do whatever whatever and um i'm actually trying my hardest to use some of that time um becoming jackson hole has you know shown me a lot in the early days connie kemmerer out at mountain resort was very much on the front end of this just to show that actually you know the phrase don't just sit there do something mm-hmm and uh, I mean, it's just so close to me and my whole family. And we always used to laugh because my brother and it would be like, 
David, do something. And he'd be like, well, I can't because I've got my hands in my pockets. Mm -hmm. And we'd just all be like, that, that can't possibly, you know, just that, that sort of, but it was just the classic, like, we just go, go, go. Mm. And he's like, actually, I'm quite happy not going. And the, it, so it's been flipped now of um, sit there, don't do something. And it's so powerful to not try and fix everything. And that's um, what I'm learning, Sarah Flitner uh, and others. Just my first in reaction is always, how can I fix this? And it, it, you can't for a lot of it. So I do have to stop and try and um, use that time to just, just to acknowledge that I can't do that and try and fill that space with something happy or good or positive. Or, and I do like to, um, you know, my three kids, you know, honestly, I, you know, I hope I don't look back and think, gosh, I wish I'd spent more time with them or something. You know, we've led very busy lives, but I think overall our balance is really healthy and they're all amazing and they give me great joy. And I'm very lucky in that, but they take work. They take time too. <laughs> Everything yeah. takes work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you are now putting more into your mental health just as much as physical because yes here in this area it's, it's all about what you do active wise mm. versus what do you do for yourself mentally and yeah. we can all do more do a lot better but we're all human as yeah. as you said you know the one thing about in business you said this earlier is you're all people yeah and same yeah. with you yeah. and you're yeah. a person and we all have same problems and it's, yes um COVID has helped that conversation about mental health come to the forefront of conversation and just spoke with DJ Ashley mm -hmm. at the community counseling center and I've spoken I've had Sarah as a guest as well talking yeah, about I Jackson to those. Yeah. the whole um health and it, it's so important and I'm really proud of you for taking those steps and being vocal about it mm. because more people can learn from you and say you know Anna's brave I can be brave too and and I see what Anna's doing and being brave and taking some steps is not hard well gosh thank you that's very generous I think it's a um I'm sure most people have experienced something in their life that might look quite bleak in the future mm -hmm. and luckily for us we found a way to either move through it or you know have a different response or have support and that's true of me just just like others so I, I agree COVID allowed me to share that a bit more and it's very very helpful and I've said on my we have business over breakfast first Thursday of every month and we've also had mental health specialists on that we will continue to have that becoming um, Jackson Hole was just a part of that the mental health JH group that allowed for free visits trying to continue that conversation over 900 of our locals went to that program 900 wow. took advantage of free mental health sessions whatever yeah. that looked like for you unbelievably large amount of number when you take away a barrier or a perceived barrier of money and then you know probably the stigma as well and and mm. some of these other pieces and the confusion you know anna olson Oh, God, where do I even start? How do I find a counselor? Who do I know? Well, you ask a mate. Oh, I won't ask a mate because they might know then. And that's weird. And, you know, it just goes on and on. There are so many reasons not to do it. And so you remove the barrier of money. You remove the barrier of stigma. You try to. And suddenly 900 people put their hand up. And, I mean, if you don't need more notice than that in our community i don't know what we need and again it's not for everyone and you know it's um but i think we're learning and hopefully we'll learn from that to continue to to support this area of our needs well thank you for your bravery to say something on on this podcast and i wish you all the best to continue that thank work you. and yeah. and it's not just here in this community. It's every right. community. Yeah. And for the people who are listening, whether they're here in Jackson or in wherever else, you know, maybe they're in England, might have a few people listening over in England, might after this. Yeah, um, exactly. You'll be huge in <laughs> yeah, heaven, that's Stephen. right. I'll be big in England. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, <laughs> that find out what your chamber does. See if you yeah. can contribute. See how it yeah. um, can add value. Whether you're a business owner or not, you don't yeah. have to be a business owner. It's all about community. Yeah. And that's certainly what you and the crew at the chamber do is – 
you are there for our community and ensuring that we have a vibrant community. Um, and to do that, we need commerce. Yep. Because there were days when there wasn't a very vibrant economic, a very vibrant commerce here. I mean, there was a community, but yeah. the vibrant commerce side of it was, was much lacking. Right. Anna, how can people connect with you if they want to reach out? How mm. can they reach out to you? Mm. Well, um, please do, to start with. I totally could not agree more. Getting out, um, you know, if we want to feel connected, then the Chamber is a fantastic organization. Um, you know, we have a mission that includes advancing community excellence. Not, It's not just... Um, and I, I, I say this as much as I possibly can. The Chamber of Commerce is not a one-dimensional. It's such a multi-dimensional organization. And getting involved just is as simple as you could go to our website, and at the bottom it's got About Us, and it's got every, all of our you know, all the staff contacts and who we are. It's got all the board members on there. So maybe you don't want to reach out to me. Maybe you want to reach out to Stefan because you know him. His, you know, we, we've got a lot of ways to connect with us. And then obviously the, there are different committees. So whether you think, well, I could get involved or I could volunteer a bit of my time for events or um, there's a group that meet that are sort of downtown businesses and, and you know retail and business development downtown. There's a group that meet um, on the uh, government and community affairs, which is what I get involved in a lot. So there's all different types of things. Again, we have committees, we have the board, and then we just have general volunteerism on the 4th of July parade or something. Uh, it's all there, jacksonholechamber.com, and um, just go to About Us or go to the board or events or just call me. Yep. Cool. What's the number to the chamber? 307-733-3316. That just rolls right and, off the tongue. Well, seven days a week we answer because we have the visitor service mm -hmm. team. And because of COVID, all our phones go to our cell phones. So you can always get a hold of us. Yep. Fabulous. Mm. Anna, I'm so happy that you are the person leading this chamber through the 75th year. And yeah. the community can celebrate 75 years of the Jackson Hole Chamber of Commerce. And thank you for sharing your story today. Um, well, thank it. you. I, I won't be here, but at the Chamber's 150th, mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder what podcast level you'll be at. <laughs> yeah. If, um, Somebody... I guess by then I'm taxidermied and yeah. kind of hung up someplace. <laughs> the, the next yeah. generation uh, might take it on. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, yeah. Lewis would love that. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. I appreciate this. Thank you. Have a good day. And you. To learn more about Anna, the Jackson Hole Chamber of Commerce, visit thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 150. Many thanks to everybody who helps keep the Jackson Hole Connection on the air. All of you wonderful listeners, the support of my wife, Laura, the support of my boys, Lewis and William, and of course, my marketing director and editor, Michael Morey, who's been with me for 150 episodes. He's the only guy who's listened to every single second of this podcast. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.